Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Angela Williamson with us here today, who's an independent filmmaker, speaker, and adjunct instructor, instructor in the Communication Studies Department at Concordia University, Irvine. A former producer and copywriter for the Orange County News Channel, Fox 11, Television, Fox Sports West, and Prime Ticket, Dr. Williamson has over 25 years of experience in the broadcast television, cable advertising, healthcare, financial, municipal government, and higher education industries. A multiple Tele Awards recipient, Dr. Williamson has a doctorate in human services with a specialization in management of nonprofit agencies from Capella University in Minnesota. She is also the 2019 recipient of the Bell Bab. Did I say that right? Bell Bab Mansfield Award? I know it's a mouthful. Yes, you said it right. <laughs> <laughs> and has been featured in Women Who Rock with success in Black Girls Aloud magazines and Civil Women on PBS. Dr. Williamson is currently a member of PEO Sisterhood, serving as the publicity chairperson for the Inland Empire and the Writers Guild of America West. In December of 2018, she released her award-winning documentary about her cousin, Rosa Parks, My Life with Rosie on Amazon Prime. Her children's book, My Life with Rosie, A Bond Between Cousins, will be released June 18th, 2020, which, just so everybody knows, we recorded this a couple days ago and we're pushing it up to support Angela's book launch today and we'll make sure we have links for everything in here and that's why you're seeing this interview so soon. Angela, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. It's such a privilege just to not only be with you this afternoon, but I just love the theme of your podcast. I do. Thank you. I, we've had such, uh, we've had a couple really good, actually incredible conversations with the camera not rolling. And I, I'm excited to capture that magic now and share it with everybody. Absolutely. I love um, you ask us to come in and give you something that we want from our heart. And that's something that I, you know, haven't really thought about. I've been learning about intentions. And then when you said that to me, I was thinking, okay, if I was going to have a conversation from my heart, what would it be? And then I, I, I came up with this quote and then I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it, but it's finding your voice when you feel life isn't fair. I mean, mm-hmm. we all kind of feel that way right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's a really incredible thing, right? Whether whatever industry you're in, whatever vocation you're in, what, what your relationship, every really facet of life. I think so many of us are struggling with that space of finding our voice and feeling like, like, I think the majority of people just want to be good people and live a good life best they can. And all of a sudden, there's been a massive impedance in it in so many ways. And people are trying to find that way of expression and how to express self. So I, yeah, I I want to dive in with that with you a little bit. Okay. Finding our voice when we feel like life isn't fair. How do we even begin to do that? You know, and especially in this day and age where it's a, it's so many of us, we use 
social media as the vehicle for expressing our voice. And we're in a, a trial by Twitter world where 10 seconds of something can be taken out of context and then you go to bed a good person and you wake up and you're public enemy number one. And also, unfortunately, so many people are just out to almost kind of, what do they call them, the internet trolls to try to diminish and minimize your voice. And I feel like that makes people scared too. So how do we begin to find our voice when we feel like life isn't fair? Well, I, I always like to use, you know, personal examples when I think about finding, finding our voice. And it's something that um, I know that you actually talk a lot about. It's, you know, defining what your intention is before you decide what you want to do next or your goal or, or things like that. Because I think a lot of times when I look at, at life situations, when I looked at a time in my life where at the very beginning, I started to do a documentary, which was for me, it was my saving grace. But I think about when I started it, I was so down in the dumps with myself that if I had just taken the moment to set an intention for what I wanted this documentary to accomplish, I believe that all the good that came from producing the documentary, I would have been able to enjoy a lot more. That's really incredible to hear you say that because, well, first, just to acknowledge it, but two, you know, it's interesting in our society, I feel like we put these hierarchical ranks on accomplishments and writing a book or doing something with film, television, whether it's producing, directing, acting, those are usually, or professional athletes, entertainers, those are usually at the top of that hierarchy, right? Of, of, and so here you are making this documentary, which is really at the top of that hierarchy. And what I'm hearing is, is it's almost like there's this expectation that if you do the documentary, then it will, it will bring you happiness. Is that, is that fair? It's, it, and, you know, and a lot of things too, not even happiness. Um, and I'm bringing forth conversations we've had before, but acceptance. If I do this documentary and, and, you know, I didn't even set my original intention of what I wanted, but the, in my heart, I just wanted acceptance. So that's why I did the documentary, but it really wasn't the true intention of the documentary. And luckily, in my case, that true intention did come out. But uh, a lot of times I think that we do things because we think we're doing good, but we're doing things in order to, to uplift ourselves. And, and that doesn't always work. And then in, in the, the case of this in the documentary that you know, I absolutely love doing, and I love the feedback that I received, but because my intention wasn't right in the beginning, I think there was a lot of wonderful moments that I missed because my intentions weren't right. Mm. If you could go back and change that process and replace it with the intention that you realize should have been the starting place, or you wished with hindsight, the, the gift of hindsight, right? What would have that intention been for you? 
you know, um, I'm glad you asked me that question because I was actually uh, given that second opportunity to start to think about, and, and at the time, I didn't know it was an attention, but I knew that it was my, it, this, I was starting another journey and I knew I needed to look at it differently. And, and that came with working on the children's book. Mm. And so, I mean, thank goodness, because in life, sometimes we're not given the second opportunity. And, and I was given that. And so with, with that being said, what I did was I, I, when I set that second intention, I set that intention to educate others about racism. And, and I also wanted to talk about human rights and activism, but I also thought about ageism as well, because mm -hmm. in that children's book, um, Cousin Rosie is, you know, 30 plus years older than Aunt Carolyn at the time. And those relationships, we don't ever celebrate those relationships and what those relationships can do um, if you, you pay it forward, so to speak. And so with that being said, um, when I, I set a new intention, and I'll say it, and I'll be honest with all of you, I didn't realize that it was a new intention. I just knew I needed to do better <laughs> because I wanted to enjoy the moment. I mean, I look back and I thought, oh my gosh, I had so many great moments that I just didn't enjoy. So I want to enjoy this one. So, so what I did and, and started this process with uh, Kate Butler and Chloe Helms last year, right around Christmas, right before Christmas, because I remember doing a meeting like this and you know my house is surrounded by christmas and we're going through we're going through all of um i say copy so we're going through all the copy the written word and then chloe is adding the scenes to them and they're they're educating me about you know how to write a children's book and at the end of this meeting and I mean, it was just, it was such this phenomenal brainstorm. There was so much synergy there that at the end of the meeting, I'm crying. Like, I'm just I'm like, oh, case like, what's going on? And I'm crying because at that moment, I realized, I didn't even know what would happen with the book, but I realized that we were doing something bigger than ourselves. And and it wasn't that I wasn't doing that when I was doing the documentary, but because I had the wrong, I would have to say what framework going on, that I wasn't able to see that until two years after I'm done on the film festival circuit. So it was literally four years after I had started working on the documentary. So, I mean, I think when we, we think about our journeys, because we all have them, and, and those journeys are meant to be, but before we start those journeys, if we think about what our intention is before the journey, I think it makes going through that journey, I'm not going to say it makes it easier, but it helps us withstand that journey to get to the end of it. Something I've, I've grown to really love and respect about Kate, is every single person I talk to who has been part of her authoring experience, they have the same sparkle in their eye with it. And I think that is such a tremendous testimonial to the magic you all make through your collaborations. 
with her and that she's a, a conduit, a facilitator of that. I think that's such an extraordinary thing. One thing I'm hearing, Angela, in that, in that story that you just shared is it almost sounds like there was this evolution with your intention from it being a service of self, self-serving to service of others. And that definitely, and that's hard for me to admit because, you know, I grew up the good girl and always I was growing up to, I was uh, uh, molded to serve others. And, and when I, when I go back and relive what, what I experienced, I realized that that original intention wasn't, wasn't the overall goal of that plan. And mm -hmm. And luckily, you know, the universe thought better of it and, and, and changed it because, because if I had continued with that intention and really what it did for me is that um, it really made me humble because even though, yes, they, we, we have this hierarchy, like you say, and in how we look at it, you know, here, in our capitalist society is we look at we look at media and we look at film and we look at athletes and we, we put that on the top hierarchy but sometimes in order to get to that i think you need to have humility and that process really taught me that when i finally after going on four years i had my what uh, oprah winfrey says what aha moment and i realized I, you know, I, I didn't set the right intention in the beginning. And, and, and had I just done that, the journey, I'm not saying it would have been any differently. It would have, you know, um, the path would have been any different, but my emotional state throughout it definitely would have been different. You mentioned humility. And I found that over the course of my life, it is something that I have, you know, to, to put it politely, run very fast away from at times to try to, for self-preservation. But I find that, I've also found that the times that where it inevitably slaps me in the face and says, hey, you need to sit with this has been some of my greatest growth and personal evolutions. Have you, have you experienced that too with humility? I did. I think when, when I realized that I had to, I mean, and which is really was difficult for me because I was, you know, coming off of working in, you know, the top market and, and then I completely went backwards and it's really hard when you're in the middle of your career and you completely go backwards and you're starting over again. And so with that humility, I really learned what my true calling is and, and i think sometimes when we um, run from it and i know i did um our eyes are we have blinders on them and we can't really see what we should be doing and and that's when i realized when those blinders fell off and i realized that not only was i getting my dream but i was getting it on a whole different level then I was like, wow, had I just thought differently, 
it, I would have maybe seen this sooner, but it needed me to keep walking the same way with those blinders on to cause me to be humble so that I could open my eyes and finally see it. You know, that's almost the, the, like life is really happening for us versus to us. Yes. Like, right. And it's, and it's interesting because it's, I feel like when we really sit with this and we're willing to explore humility as a gift and these lessons of being intentional or you and I were talking beforehand about about all the times we thought we were being intentional, but we were really being self-serving. <laughs> it's a it's a slap in the face. And then yeah. you think about, oh, well, I'm not all that a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that we thought we were doing it because we thought we really were going to be that. And everybody was going to recognize and acknowledge us for it. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> You're wondering, okay, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you see it? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, now that we're now we're friends, we can just acknowledge each other, so we don't feel like we're just out there with complete. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. Well, yeah, we have to create our own audience. Yeah, but I mean, so right about that because, I mean, a lot of times when you set your intentions, you you honestly do feel and and I have said I felt in my heart that what I was doing was right and and it would benefit others. But when there was no gratification from it at the end, then it's, it's, you know, it's a wake up call. It's mm. it almost to a point where, and you can tell me if, if I'm right about this, but sometimes when we set our intentions, sometimes we need to go back and reevaluate and re-edit that intention and move forward in it because, because sometimes we can mean well, but it's not right. I can so appreciate that. And I, I feel that too. I, you know, this series is such a, an example of that for me. I have <clears throat> long espoused that I want to be selfless and serving of others and all those types of things. And, but really when I look back at it, everything I contribute out to the world there is always this caveat to it that if I do this, then people will see it and it'll lead to speaking engagement or clients or, you know, whatever it is, there's always that attachment to it. And this was really, I think one of the first times I've ever done anything that this, this little handful of hope series where there was none of that attached. It was just purely for the joy of giving. And when it started to grow, people were coming, well, how are you going to monetize it? How are you going to monetize it? You know, you should <laughs> and I was saying, you know, I really, I don't want to because the joy of just the process and the giving and the meeting and having these conversations has been so deeply enriching and rewarding. And it's been to me more rewarding and more fulfilling than any of those really, I'll put this content piece out there and then somebody will come back and they'll want to sign up or buy something or, or book me for something. And it's really fascinating to hear that because it is, it's, it's going back with that intention and really getting to the soul of it, right? Like, why am I doing this? And I think it's so easy for us to put that umbrella over of, oh, I'm doing this to help people. 
because it feels good. It keeps us warm, keeps us dry, keeps us out of the, the rain and everything. But we still, when, we, when we're, we have to, if we're willing to, we have to look underneath that umbrella and really have that conversation with the person we see in the mirror. And a lot of times it's personal. I mean, for me, it was, it was all about acceptance. I mean, I, in the time that the time in 2015, when I started um, producing the documentary about Rosa Parks and my aunt Carolyn, I was thinking at the time I needed acceptance because I wasn't feeling accepted by my chosen career. I wasn't feeling accepted there because I wasn't able to advance in that career. And I wasn't in not all family, not the family uh, the, that helped me with the documentary. So don't guys email me and say, I was talking about you. But, but we talk about acceptance of some family members too. And we, don't, we, we realize sometimes when we set those intentions, we set those because we want acceptance. And, and in my case, it was, and I wanted acceptance in two areas. And the funny part about it is that those two areas never did open up, mm. but that's because my intention at the beginning was wrong. Mm. And, and I had, and I had, that's why I said sometimes I, I think with intentions, I hope it's okay that you go back and you can rewrite those intentions because when I realized that, okay, my original intention of being accepted and getting the position I wanted and being accepted of, by a family that's never accepted me, um, what I got was I got, I got acceptance from multicultural people around the world, around the country who love this story. And I wasn't able to really take happiness in that because my original intention was completely wrong. So those blinders were still up. When you, when you have this awareness that those, those, those initial two areas that you wanted, you went into it to get acceptance for and you didn't get that acceptance, how did you receive that at first? Did you, was it hurtful or was it something that you had this self-awareness to look at it and say, wait a minute, maybe there's something deeper here? You know, and you said something and that's why I remembered it because because it it hurt i mean i when i originally wanted to do the documentary for um on rosa parks i was just thinking you talked about speaking engagements i was just thinking i'd take the documentary into higher ed and that would be my way of networking to get that tenured position that i just so wanted and but towards the end of the documentary and that's where that humility came in is when um, Dr. Jean Theo Harris, which was a, one of the, the, the persons I interviewed, the composer, Kathleen Flynn, and then the editor, um, Tom Knutson, they all said, you need to do the film festival circuit. And, and they had to really sell that to me because I was like, this is not my intention. Right. But that's where that humility came in. And thank goodness I did it because because that is, that is where the, um, the acceptance came in, but it was also where my awareness did not come about what I really wanted, because I really wanted 
to educate people. So if your true intention is to educate people, then why would, why would I put myself in a box and four walls to say, I can only educate you if you're at this particular college or university. But it wasn't until, uh, it was March, 2019, four, four years later, that I'm sitting with a student that at a university in Iowa that's saying, this is the most, this is the best thing in my college career that I get to interview you on this panel. And I'm thinking, why? Wow. <laughs> you know, who am I? But because my intentions were, I mean, it took four years for those blinders to come off until I just, that's what I'd say, that aha moment that, oh my goodness, I was getting what my original intention was, is to educate, which is what I love. But I had set that attention in a box. And when that box wasn't, wasn't um, opening for me in that acceptance of what I want, what I thought I wanted in, on in the career side and on the family side, then nothing else seemed to matter. I mean, people would tell me, congratulations, this is wonderful. I would win. I would be ecstatic and shocked because I'm thinking, well, why am I winning? I can't even achieve these things. And so what I was doing is I was pretty much putting out my own light because my intention was wrong in the beginning. I know that's a mouthful. No, it is so powerful because one of the things I hear you saying in that is, <clears throat> and I think so many people can relate to this. Yeah. You were, it was like you were aware of the intention all along, but it was that, those blinders they, they blinded you so much to what that was because you had almost like, it was like the seduction of it's supposed to be these other pieces instead. Yes. And I feel like, you know, so many people in their heart, they really do know what they want. Yeah. They do know what's meaningful to them, where they want to contribute. But because they have their blinders on, they are so consumed by what they think they're supposed to do or if I do this, then I'll be accepted by these or this group or this organization. Or if I do this, then it's going to mean fame and fortune, or it's going to mean social status or more, 10 more likes on Instagram or whatever it is. Versus, gosh, it's really just like getting past that noise and getting into your heart more. And that's what it is. It is noise. It's internal yeah. noise. But a lot of times, um, and I talk about internal noise when I teach public speaking. And what I learn is that with internal noise, we think that we're ignoring it, but really what it's doing, it's, it's actually leading us down this path that we're constantly feeling that we're not enough because we are letting that noise take over. And and at some point the noise just becomes second skin. And that's what it was with me. It was, it was definitely at second skin. It's to a point where now, Jesse, when I think about, um, you know, what goals I have or what I'm trying to do next, I have to be conscious of that because I've made it where it's my second skin. So I have to be conscious of that. It's like, any other addiction that we have that you become conscious when you have spent so many years, um, you know, 
trying to fulfill the wrong intention that it just becomes like your, your second skin that you I have to make it a conscious effort so that it becomes a new normal for me. Angela, as an educator, when you when you teach public speaking and addressing that, dealing with the noise, I'm wondering if you could share some a tip or a strategy that people might be able to use because I feel like regardless of if people are going to be speakers or not, it is probably one of the most, I would, I would wager probably one of the most stifling things that suffocates us from actually tapping into our voice. And I, th I think when, and that is such a great question. When I talk about, I, I talk about the noise, I talk about it from two different angles. I talk about it from the listener. And when I, you're a listener and you have that internal noise going on, I always, I always tell them to focus on the message, focus on the words that people are saying. And so, it, but we can also take that internally is that we need to focus on our internal message. And what is that message trying to tell us? Um, in the case of when I finally, now this student who is a phenomenal person because she really helped me finally see the light, but she wasn't the first one. She, she, was, she was the one that finally got me to quiet that noise and focus on what her message was saying. And then when I look at you know, a speaker and we have internal noise, at that point, what I would say to us is, you know, what do we want to give the listener in our message? How do we want them to receive that message? And it's in the reason that I personally keep teaching public speaking. It's not because I think I, I know it all. I teach it because teaching public speaking for me is like always going back to the base basics to help me grow stronger as a person. Because think about it. I was teaching public speaking for well over 10 years and I was still impeding my own self because I was, I know everything about noise, but I was walking it. Uh, I, I appreciate you saying that because I think that's so important is sometimes we think that as we're outsiders looking in, we think that the people who are teachers or experts or whatever we call them have it all figured out. And then there's this whole other part of we may understand it. And then there's this whole other part of being human and that we wrestle through it too. And I think it's so refreshing to hear you acknowledge that because it almost gives us all permission that even when we're at that level of teaching it academically, we can still wrestle through it. And it's about just learning and developing tools and strategies and working through it and, and being willing to have that conversation with yourself. Angela, we only have a couple minutes left. I wanna make sure we just touch on really quick your book that's being released today. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. What's it about and where can we get it? Oh. Okay, so the book is still about Rosa Parks <laughs> and my Aunt Carolyn. And the one reason that I, I actually started writing this children's book is that when I, you know, I, we talked about all the original intention, it, it was really meant for secondary and, and higher ed students. 
And so the documentary, because it's over 60 minutes long, there's no way we can expect a little person to sit there and watch over 60 minutes of a documentary. So it was never intended for them. But last year, right before the release of my first book with Kate Butler, uh, Mattel came out with uh, a Barbie doll as part of their they call, I think they call it like the Inspiring Barbie series, and they do it in honor of Women's Day, which is in August. And when they did, they came out with a Rosa Parks doll. So of course, because I had already been, you know, I had this documentary going all over the country, people were letting me know about it. But when I looked at the back of Mattel's product description, it said that Rosa Louise Parks wasn't ordinary she was living her life as an ordinary seamstress until an extraordinary day on december 1st 1955 and i thought oh my goodness that's not true <laughs> and oh my goodness and that's when you start to reevaluate your intentions because that's not what i had been doing for you know two years and and working on for four years and so i realized that in order, and this is something that came from all of my research with Rosa Parks. She loved youth. She spent a lot of her time, not just with Aunt Carolyn, but with thousands of youth, encouraging them to fight for human rights. I mean, obviously that was her heart. So she believed in, in, in young people from the very young age, you know, from preschool all the way up to young adults. And so there is a big part of the population that would get this Barbie doll, which is absolutely gorgeous, by the way, I will tell you, because I have one, but that has what I consider somewhat of a flawed description of Rosa Parks' life. So, yeah. so my question was, like, what could I do about it? And I was on a mastermind call with Kate, and, and I threw out, well, maybe there's a children's book, but I've never written one. I don't know what to do. I don't even know if I have the right voice. And then Kate was like, okay, really, Angela? You didn't really think you could write in my next series and you did a good job. I mean, so she was pretty much saying, get out of your head because obviously there, if, if my intention is to educate people and give them a three-dimensional character of Rosa Parks, then I have to move with a segment of the population that's not getting the message, right? And so that's what started the talks last fall with Kate Butler and getting the children's book out there and focusing on that message so that that audience, that Rosa Parks, and even my aunt, my aunt started an entire organization called Community United for Progress with all of her friends. They were all in their 60s starting this for young people. So obviously there's a group here that needs to be, we need to reach to. And so I started that process with Kate Butler. At first I thought, oh, could we hit Black History Month? And she laughed at me. She said, I don't know. But then we thought we'd hit April and then we all know what happened in March. And then we decided that maybe in honor of Juneteenth, I could actually release the book on, on today, Thursday and release it in time not only for a holiday that means a lot to a lot of african americans um, but also in time for summer reading program 
And it just so happens that this book that we all started working on, you know, starting the talks and then everything last year is relevant today because of what's going on in America. And parents want to know, how do I now talk to my children about these very heavy topics? So that's why I tell people, I say, if, if you have a goal and, and sometimes your goal doesn't happen when you want it to happen, don't walk away from that goal because maybe that's the universe telling you that that goal needs to wait a little bit because that's what really happened to us. And, and now this is the perfect time to educate a segment of the population that I miss because my intentions weren't aligned in the beginning and a segment that both my aunt Carolyn and my cousin Rosie loved to the bottom of their hearts. That's incredible. Everyone, are we going to really want to rewatch and re-listen? What a journey Angela just took us on. We were talking about the power of intention and how, gosh, so many of us, we, we will think that we're living our life intentionally, but really what are we trying to do is we're trying to self-serve a desire that we feel we need to serve when deep down, really, we already know the music that's in our heart. We just have to be willing to step up and start playing it. The idea that a, a lack of fulfillment in that initial intention, now, you know, not being accepted in the way she thought, could actually lead to the greater joy and the greater awakening for her. How incredible is that? And how incredible could that be for you? Because I imagine all of us have those spaces, but I love the message of don't give up because maybe delaying your dreams. Perhaps so many of us have not yet seen that dream fully realized because it's, it's not that we failed. It's that there's a little delay. And part of the delay is, is because our intentions weren't in sync with the outcomes that we really want and need. And this notion that life is happening for us and maybe just maybe the stuff that's happened in your life, good or bad, right or wrong up until now has happened to bring you in this very moment for you to make a decision. You know, if you're still with us and if you've been listening and following along this whole time, if I'd be bold enough to make an assumption about you, it's that this talk deeply resonated with you and that there's something in it that you took away that you feel, not that you think, but you feel deep inside. And we're talking a heartfelt soul foot so felt feeling of maybe it was happened the way it happened because there was something more for me to gain from it. It's something that happened for me to look deeper. Maybe it was something that happened for me to look at some of the noise inside of my head. And I love that Angela acknowledged that even after teaching for 10 plus years in public speaking, she still has her noise. We all do. You know, I think part of the journey is not learning to drown out the noise, but it's learning to have a negotiation or a conversation with it. Oh my goodness, what a novel idea of having a conversation with voices that we may not agree with right away. Hmm. <laughs> we could do a whole nother talk on that. Love it. And to come full circle, right, about really just looking at what your dreams are, really looking at what your attentions are, looking at maybe, just maybe, you're leaving something on the table. Something being the happiness, the level of happiness, the level of love, the little level of joy you're able to experience right now and always. Maybe you're leaving on the table simply because your intentions just may not have been there. And if you start to get aligned with your intentions, you will find your voice and you'll be able to honor it, embrace it, 
and speak it out, even in those times when life seems to be unfair. Angela, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so very much for sharing with us. This has been an absolute blessing, and gosh, what a gift this has been. You're going you're gonna to give me all the links right after this, and I'll have links on here in the, in the copy, in the comments of where people can go to get the book. As Absolutely. It, yeah. All right, everybody. We will see you next time on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to them.